Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Okay there, Penn State fans. It's Auburn Week. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Johnny McGonigal, talking about the Number 22, Penn State Nittany Lions back in the top 25, going to Jordan-Hare Stadium Saturday, 3.30 kickoff on CBS. Johnny, I hope you're doing well. I know you're feeling good after your Eagles won. I got to tell you, as as a Cowboys fan uh, growing up, and I grew up a Cornhuskers fan, it's never been a better time to be a fan of both. It's just It was a banner weekend for my Cowboys and my Cornhuskers. I'm really, really excited about the future of both uh, – both teams, but I wanted to ask you, that was your return, triumphant return to Beaver Stadium. You hadn't been there in a little while. That was your first home game in a while. I know you had covered Penn State before, but what did it feel like? Yeah, Bob, before I got overly excited about the Eagles beating the Lions, uh, I ended up seeing a different set of Lions on Saturday at Beaver Stadium and was really excited to be back. I mean, uh, that first touchdown run by Nick Singleton, the 70-yarder down the Penn State sideline, shook the press box, and I'm like, Oh, like I, I remember that feeling, you know, I remember, I remember how that felt. And so uh, it was a neat experience to be back and just being state college and be around game day, you know, seeing the, the tailgates and the RVs and it felt very familiar, you know, having gone to Penn state and covered them then. And uh, so very familiar, very cool. And uh, it was just good to have football season back. I mean, the Purdue atmosphere the week before was a really good one too. Uh, now we get to go down to Auburn. And so three three games in a row here uh, with good environments and good uh, good atmospheres. You knew exactly what to do. You made sure you got to the press box early, avoided the traffic snarls that, um, you know, by I would say by like 10 or 10.30 or maybe even like 9 or 9.30, even if you were close by, you couldn't get to the stadium. You had to get like an hour wait, but you were there early. You knew exactly. It was a pro move. Um, I was early and I got locked out uh, for a minute. So... Uh, I went down to the concourse level to get a, a overhead view of the team arrival and the blue band and all that coming in. And then as I tried to get back up to the press box, I had gone through what I didn't know at the time was an authorized personnel only door going out to the concourse. And so I tried to go back in and I'm like, okay, well, I have a credential. Like I should be authorized personnel, right? And then there's a swipe card. So Audrey Snyder of the Athletic, a good friend of ours, uh, you know, came down and helped me back in through the door, thank God. But yeah, so a, a little adventure to even be you know start before the home opener. Yep, uh, Penn State fans. I think there's a. I think on Twitter there's some picture. There's some photographic evidence of Johnny and uh, John Sauber of the Center Daily Times being trapped behind a fence before Audrey rescued them. Thank God you made it out of there alive. I don't know what you got to do, Johnny, to be authorized personnel. You only went to Penn State. You've covered Penn State before. I think if anyone should be authorized, it should be you. But you're here now. We're going to talk about Penn State Auburn. James Franklin had his news conference around lunchtime today. I was up there. You were listening in. I mean, he touched on a variety of subjects. I feel like it's our moral obligation to Penn State fans to start every podcast on Tuesday with some kind of Drew Alar update because 
He's he's the talk of the town, as good as Nick Singleton was, Big Ten true freshman of the week after running for 179 yards on only 10 carries. I mean, I came when I came home uh, and I was out and about on Sunday and Monday, man, they only want to talk about number 15. So I think James was asked a couple different questions about Drew. And what did you take away from that? Yeah, I think the one thing that uh, James Franklin said that really resonated with me, and I think everyone who was tuning into that press conference was sent, you know, him saying that it looks like things have slowed down, you know, Drew Lar, and, and that at this stage in his college career already, two games in as a true freshman, uh, that he looks comfortable out there and he looks poised. And that was the one big thing that I took away from that Ohio win. You know, it's, sure, it's nice to win by 36, and it's nice to get uh, a boatload of freshmen in, and especially Drew going out there and completing six of eight passes for 88 yards and two touchdowns. Like, those numbers are really nice, but what's it out to me is just how comfortable he looked and how effortless it looked. I mean, his 32-yard touchdown to Omari Evans uh, down the seam, that thing was just a little flick of the wrist. You know, like other quarterbacks in the, you know, not just, uh, you know, at Ohio, but, at, you know, in the Big Ten would have to step into a throw like that. And it looks so easy to Drew. And I think I think that's really what stands out. His arm strength already is just kind of off the charts. He had a little a Matt Stafford, you know, Patrick Mahomes side sidearm throw as well. He was he was showing off all the tools on Saturday. And, and James Franklin's comments uh, reflected that. Yeah, and he, he he all but said he is the number two guy. He almost has to be, or else there would be you know mass hysteria among the Penn State uh, alumni base. But yeah, he he is the number two guy with number two with a bullet. I would add at this point because he certainly has looked every bit of the part of somebody who is ready for any situation. Uh, he was asked Johnny later uh, in his news conference about dealing with roster management and also depth charts and keeping people happy and seeing movement, you know, in, in the age of the immediate transfer portal, you just can't please everyone. You can, you can urge people to be patient. Uh, and he's got a, I, I would imagine the amount of meetings and, and, you know, whether it's with parents or unhappy players or players that think they should be playing more, that's just a constant, constant hourly battle. I would think for just about every major college program and he was kind of asked about that specifically, I think, with Drew and uh, Christian Veor. And, uh, you know, they also have Bo Prabula, who's a true freshman. And I, I wrote the comment down and, you know, he, 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 he always gives a, a pretty well thought out answer. But to, I'm kind of paraphrased. He says, you just at the end of the day, you just have to manage your team and your people appropriately. And that is really the name of the game. No, when you have four pretty good quarterbacks on your roster, they're not all going to be happy with where they sit. But I, I think they've made a very conscious effort, Johnny, when they've seen Drew make some big strides this offseason, whether it was in spring or in August practice. They, they've made a, a conscious effort to rep him appropriately. And if they get a chance to play him you know, early in games, they're going to do it, and they might even do it against Auburn. Yeah, and James even said after the game against Ohio that they wanted to get Drew in even earlier than he did because he made his Beaver Stadium debut in the third quarter. They wanted to get him a, a drive in the second. And so, yeah, you have to – it's a fine line with you know with the quarterback specifically, with the way the portal is right now. Uh, I believe in that question even there was a name drop of Will Levis, right? You, there was a Will Levis reference. You know, you, obviously Will Levis was not the recruit that Drew Lar was uh, or is and, and, you know, in terms of that pedigree, but – we see what Levis is doing right now at Kentucky. He's you know loved by every NFL scout out there and can be a first-round quarterback in a, in a year's time. And so uh, you don't want that to happen in your program in, in an ideal world. You don't want a quarterback to leave and then 
you know, succeed in that way elsewhere, right? You want to be able to keep all your guys within the program if possible. And a lot of that is placating, you know, and, and please, you know, really pleasing guys. And especially a guy like a Drew Aller, you, you want to be able to get him in early and not just for the portal aspect of it or the, you know, the, Hey, he's a five-star guy. I mean, you want to develop this kid. And, and so far he's shown really good stuff. And so I think they're in a really good spot with that. And I think uh, the way that they were able to get up early against Ohio and get him a lot of reps, I think is a good deal. Remains to be seen how maybe Mr. Vayor and even Mr. Prabula feel about this at the end of the season. But you know what? They're going to do what's best for them, and Penn State's going to have to do what's best for the Lions. What What's best for Penn State, I think, not only in the present but the future, is getting Drew ready to play because he's he's one snap, one injury away. And, I mean, I think it's pretty clear he's gained a lot of ground on Sean Clifford since the start of August practices. So we'll see how it plays out. But Johnny, let's talk a little bit about what James had to say uh, about prepping just for going to Jordan Hare stadium. You know, it's a great atmosphere down there. SEC country it holds about 85,000 people. Their team, their team is two and zero. they played Penn state tough last year, lost 28, 20. They have a great running game. They have like three good running backs. They actually have a running quarterback that Penn state's going to have to worry about. That doesn't start. And they have a really athletic defense. Uh, it should be quite an environment. James talked a little bit about some of the challenges about getting Penn State ready for this. And he even referenced, Johnny, something about they started to do it a little bit on the practice field last week. The one thing that's kind of stood out to me with what James Franklin said about uh, the, the environment at Jordan-Hare Stadium is uh, the the noise and, and the snap count is the big thing. Like week they were really repping snap count and with a lot you know they he said with music as loud as possible even though they were you know readying for a home game at beaver stadium you know friendly confines and james franklin said that you know players and even coaches were a little confused at the time like hey why are we doing this right like we're about to go play at home and uh he didn't expressly say that at the time but it, it was really to start preparing for jordan Hare stadium in the atmosphere that they're going to be facing down at Auburn, uh, which they're doing an orange out. So basically they're responsible for white out. They're encouraging all their fans to wear orange. And uh, on Monday, you know, Auburn started with Derek Hall uh, said that, you know, he thinks that the orange out will be better than the white out. And interestingly, uh, there was a little side comment within James Franklin's uh, address talking about the atmosphere and everything and said, he said, quote unquote, it's going to be a challenge. And, uh, we've listened to all their press conferences and listened to all those kind of things. So I think that's, that's a part of that, right? So it could be a little, uh, I don't know, a little something going on there. But Penn State's going to be ready you know, for this environment. They've played at the Big House. They've played at you know, Ohio Stadium at the Shoe. And uh, Georgia Stadium is going to be rocking, regardless of what color those fans are wearing. Uh, it's going to be a loud and, uh, and raucous environment. And it helps that you have Sean Clifford, a six-year senior, you know, being the guy that leads your offense down there and has a cool head, uh, you know, hopefully for him. But you got to be ready if Drew Aller is uh, going to be th- you know, thrust into action there. We saw uh, backup quarterbacks uh, at Iowa last year didn't, uh, you know, didn't fare so well. So they're preparing for everything. Didn't fare so well is putting it very very mildly. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. It's the Blue White Breakdown Podcast. Johnny McGonigal and Bob Flounders talking about a huge game for Penn State. Really, 
Johnny, to come out of their to come out of their first three games three and zero would be quite an accomplishment, given that two tough teams on the road are on the schedule. Purdue was they were life or death to win that one. It didn't look good, you know, late into the fourth quarter. They found a way. They hammered Ohio like everyone thought they would. So, so now Penn State is now a slight favorite, around a three-point favorite for this game. Uh, Auburn really hasn't played anyone. Mercer and I think San Jose State, they struggled a little bit with San Jose State at home last week. But I wanted to ask you, um, because every Sunday, uh, Penn Live is going to have a story about how you put together your top 25 ballot uh, for the AP. You have a vote, and I know you take it uh, very seriously. You go into a lot of detail Penn State came out of it ranked number 22 after being unranked for the first two weeks. Where did you slot them? I know you referenced it in your story, but for the maybe for the listeners didn't get, get a chance to look at it. Where did you slot them? And uh, what do you think in a Penn State win might do for them maybe making an even bigger move, you know, this weekend? Yeah, so I had Penn State slightly ahead of that 22. I had them at 20. Uh, and a part of that is because I had Penn State 22 in my preseason ballot. I had them sticking at 22 after the Purdue win as well. A lot of that is, you know, in terms of what goes into this bout, a lot of it is what happens ahead of these teams. Like, all right, you know, a couple teams lost, a few teams lost. You got you start sliding and moving and stuff. And I like to every week just take a look at it at like a blank slate, kind of like the college football playoff committee is supposed to do it. I don't know if they actually do it that way, but I try to do that. Uh, and then, you know, wherever wherever the chips fall, you know, that, that's, that's how it happens. But uh, yeah, I had Penn State at 20, and I think a win at Auburn, I mean, you could be pushing into the, you know, around the top 15 because there's there have only been so many, like, high-profile games this season so far. We're only, you know, we're about to enter the, you know, third week here, and a win at Auburn, especially it depends on how it, how it happens. I mean, if it's a convincing win, uh, then you could see them take a major jump up in the AP poll and even in the coaches poll, but uh, even if even a narrow win, sitting there at three and zero, you know, going into a game against then Central Michigan and Northwestern, you could really see at the end of the line there, uh, you know, at the end of five games, uh, you know, going into the week being you know a fringe top twelve, top fifteen team. A lot, a lot. It's all it's all in front of Penn State. After you win at Purdue, you've gotten two weeks to get some of your young players up to speed. The guys that needed the reps have gotten them. They suddenly start to look a little bit deeper, a little bit more dangerous, and it's it's really uh, fascinating and. You referenced it a little bit with the Iowa comment and the backup quarterback, but that Johnny that killed them. That killed them last year. They were never the same team after that five and zero start. You know they have three quarterbacks. You know if they need to play them, they have three quarterbacks that I think they feel really really good with in Clifford, Aller, and obviously Vayor. So it's a much different situation. Uh, I wanted to get to two positions with you uh, where he commented on. Let's start though with maybe a guy that's maybe. The biggest strides since last December, maybe the biggest strides since last December, Olu Fashanu, the left tackle, has played extremely well. He's now had three career starts. His first one came against Arkansas in the Outback Bowl. I thought he did a pretty good job in that game. And he has just kind of raised his level. He was great against Purdue. Uh, I don't know how much you really want to evaluate him based upon what Ohio had because they weren't very big. But, man. In terms of just pass protection, his strength, James referenced it. He said his play strength is exceptional. And he also said, you know, he's able to recover when he's beaten initially. And that, there have been some Penn State tackles that have been pretty good that have not been able to do that. But this guy looks like, you know, knock on wood, they've been, they've been dinging Penn State's offensive line for a while. And there's still some issues. But, Johnny, 
I think Penn State and the coaching staff and the fan base should be really excited about their left tackle. Yeah, I think he, he looks the real deal. I mean, against Purdue, I think you know, Pro Football Focus had him down for you know zero pressures allowed, which made sense. I mean, if you just went back and watched the tape and look at his reps, I mean, he was he was really impressive. And uh, and again, not to not to besmirch the right side of the line, but you know, when when you know there's you know guys coming through and, and pressuring you know Clifford and Aller from the right side, it makes the left side look even. Better uh, and what you know, Olufashano has been able to do on the left side has been really, uh, really significant. And I think, I think Wormley as well has played all right. I think Scruggs at center has played fine. I think otherwise, uh, you know, there are some issues at that right tackle spot. But in terms of what you want out of your left tackle, protecting the blind side of your quarterback, Olufashano has done a really nice job. And it's a, and it's a good, you know, Purdue again. They they didn't have George Karloff. This they're not a they don't have the front that Auburn has. And I think I'm really looking forward to seeing how. Olu does against this front seven of Auburn because they got a lot of experience, a lot of speed, a lot of power. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned Wormley because as great as Singleton was on that 70-yard touchdown run, Wormley got out there and had a really nice clearing block to get him in the open, and he showed some really good movement skills for he's – he's a big guy. I thought he had a really nice uh, block on that play. It was a nice pull. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was, you know, usually – Guys that size aren't, aren't necessarily able to do that, but he was out in front of a very fast running back, and that's that's not that's not necessarily easy to do. We saw Bryce Effner play tight end and offensive tackle again against Ohio. He's kind, I guess, he's an insurance policy for for right tackle, but Auburn has athletes all along their defense, whether it's the front, whether it's the linebackers, whether it's the secondary, and Penn State has not faced a group as athletic as Auburn. So we'll see how all, even Olu, we'll see how all those guys are able to do and how they're able to protect uh, Penn State's quarterbacks and open holes. Because this Auburn defense, I think, is really, really uh, a tough one. But Johnny, you know, they did have some issues in pass defense against San Jose State. And Penn State's athletes, they have at the skill positions, whether it's uh, tight end, whether it's wide out, or even the running backs, as receivers, they they can do some damage. So I think I'm pretty fascinated to see that. And James was asked about the the wideout group in its entirety. He was also asked specifically about true freshman Amari Evans, who did some nice things uh, against Ohio. Granted, this is Auburn, but their ability and you you asked him about it. I think you asked him about it. Yards after the catch, I think they've got they've got a ton of them through two games. It's not a coincidence. And there's been times where Sean actually hasn't hit receivers in stride, but the more accurate he can be, these guys are really, really dangerous. If he can hit them in stride, they're really tough to track down. Yeah. I mean, Sean Clifford said after the game against Ohio that it's really nice when you can throw a little drag route to Parker Washington and he can take it 35, 40 yards. And that's a really important part of this offense, whether it's, you know, Parker and his ability to get to the sideline and tiptoe his way to five, six, seven more yards or, uh, you know, Mitchell Tinsley, the transfer over from Western Kentucky, has done a really nice job in that area as well. Keandre Lambert-Smith, you know, a couple of drops there in the Purdue game, but he also had that run after the catch for the touchdown, and it was a big play in that game. Uh, and I, so I watched the San Jose State-Auburn you know, Auburn game earlier this morning, Bob, and, yeah, what I saw from, you know, San Jose State's wideouts, they were just basically running simple slants, 
simple drags, you know, getting open over the middle of the field uh, and really taking advantage of those Auburn corners. You know, Roger McCreary is not there in that secondary for Auburn, and, you know, he's in the NFL now for good reason. Uh, but you know, they can be had. And so you guys like Parker Washington and Mitchell Tinsley, even younger guys like Amari Evans or, you know, Harrison Wallace, I think uh, we'll have some serious opportunities here. And, again, if, the, if that front four is really pressuring Penn State's offensive line and if they're getting pushed back, uh, look for those short passes, those drag routes, those slants, uh, to really, you know, catch and go and, and create some uh, create some explosive plays for this Penn State offense. Yeah, and in last year's game, it was 28-20. It was, you know, it was really – it was a back-and-forth game the whole time. Tank Bigsby ran for 100 yards with two touchdowns. Sharquez Hunter did a lot of damage on, very, like, nine carries. He had 60 yards. Uh, if, if Auburn had a better quarterback than Bo Nix, I think Penn State might not have won that game. They have a different quarterback this year in T.J. Finley, but it's really – Johnny, it's really that running game. Uh, that Auburn has that can just make it so difficult because Bigsby is one of the very best pure runners in the nation. Like you put him on a team that's got a passing game and and he doesn't get, you know, doesn't see eight or nine guys in the box and, you know, he's going to run for 1800 yards. Uh, but Auburn is not there yet, Johnny, in the passing game. But they were, even last year, they were able to really hurt Penn State just running the ball, lining it up and, those got those running backs can get yards after initial contact. Bigsby's a strong guy. Hunter's a good a good guy. I'm really curious to see how Manny Diaz is going to try and scheme up this Auburn running game, especially because you know Penn State has some has some talent on the defensive line, but I still think there's some pretty significant question marks at linebacker. So I wonder how Manny's going to try and scheme them up. Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to see a little bit more 4-3 than you have, you know, especially against Purdue where they were going a lot of nickel and relying on that secondary. Uh, you know, Aiden O'Connell had 60 passing attempts for Purdue, and Ohio last week had 40 passing attempts out of necessity. I'd be surprised if you get 25 passing attempts from Auburn. I mean, you know, TJ Finley, you know, one touchdown, three interceptions through two games. And, again, those are two games against Mercer, which yeah. is an FCS team, and San Jose State from the Mountain West, not to besmirch the group of five, not necessarily the best competition. Uh, and they came out that second half against San Jose State and said, all right, we're just going to run Tank Bigsby into the ground here. And, and really the, this group of backs, three of them. And so uh, I think it's really going to come down to you know guys like Curtis Jacobs, P.J. Mustafer, Adisa Isaac, he's working back to 100%. And uh, Tyler Elston, who you know didn't play, you know, had, had a thing, it was just special teams reps against Auburn last year. Kobe King didn't play, you know, like these guys, Abdul Carter was a true, you know, is a true freshman. He was in high school this time uh, last year against Auburn. So I think, you know, these guys who are, you know, it's an inexperienced group. I think, it, you know, if you're able to get help along that front four with Mustafer and, and those guys, if you can plug some holes in the running game, I think they'll be all right. Uh, but this is really the first test of uh, Penn State's linebackers and really the depth of the linebackers. Absolutely. Let's get to one more thing here on the Blue White Breakdown podcast. In last year's game, Penn State got contributions, uh, major contributions from all three of their tight ends that are the top three this year. Theo Johnson had a 37-yard catch. Uh, Strange, Brenton Strange had four catches for 71 yards and a touchdown. And actually, they used Tyler Warren. I think it was a wildcat. He scored on a short run uh, in that game. They've only really had two-thirds of the three amigos through the first two games. Theo Johnson has not been healthy enough to play. I would, I have to imagine that James Franklin said he thought he was close and they were hopeful against Purdue. I, don't, they, I think they knew they didn't need him against Ohio. I'm curious to see if, if Theo is 100% for this game. And if he is, you're talking about – you were talking about 
what you saw from Auburn secondary in the San Jose State game, they're going to have a tough enough time just with Penn State's wideouts. But if they have their full complement of tight ends, especially as receivers, it could really be Clifford and or Drew have time to throw. They could really make life really, really difficult for this secondary, I think. Yeah, and even in the short passing game too with the tight ends. I mean, you got athlete, you know athleticism with a Theo Johnson if he's able to play. Uh, Brenton Strange and Tyler Warren as well, bringing that to the table. And uh, if you're you know if you have to get the ball out quick, even you know getting it down little stick route to your tight end, let him turn, break a tackle, and you can go for eight, nine, ten yards. That happened a couple of times uh, for San Jose State in the game against Auburn, where they were moving the chains. They were very methodical uh, with their drives. A lot of like eight, nine, ten play drives. Uh, down into you know deep into Auburn territory, and I think that's how Penn State is gonna you know have to win this game is to really pick apart uh, this Auburn defense play by play, and the de- you know the tight ends will be huge, not just in the passing game, but in the running game too. Because if you're getting pressure and, and if you're getting you know, if, you know tackles for loss and chaos in the backfield, Auburn's front seven, the tight ends are going to need to step up and block. Yep, I'm curious to see Nick Singleton you know go against these guys, uh, this defense. I'm I'm curious to see Clifford. Maybe Aller go against these guys, uh, but I think most of all, the thing I'm most I'm most curious to see is Penn State's defense try and defend this running game. They don't. I mean, I I, I want to say that they don't maybe have the same amount of fears uh, about the passing game because it's it's still a work in progress for Auburn. But that running game, even even if Penn State has it schemed up pretty good, Bigsby and Hunter are so good that if you miss. James said it. If you miss on one of these guys, it's going to be forty or fifty yards minimum, and it's just a. It's one of those things that I think Auburn knows that it might not work. It might not work. It might not work. But as the game goes on, if they get loose two or three times, uh, it's good. It could be enough to turn the game. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see if if Penn State takes a lead, say a ten nothing lead or you know, thirteen seven or something, and it, it starts to get late. You know, does Auburn go away from its running game, or does it really stick with it? I think they should stick with it because. Uh, T.J. Finley has not impressed me through two games uh, yeah, with Auburn. But, you know, if, if they start to really push it and, you know, open things up a little bit, there's an opportunity for Joey Porter Jr., Daquan Hardy, you know, Jair Brown, that secondary, uh, to do what it, you know, does best and, uh, you know, to potentially take the ball away. They haven't uh, they haven't had an interception this year yet, have they? They have not. They've had – Joey Porter fell on a fumble. I think that was their long turnover, turnover at Purdue. And it was – even though they were – they hammered Ohio pretty good – uh, it's weird that they don't have an interception because they they have all these pass breakups, right? Porter dropped the pick six against Purdue, but I, I have to think it's only a matter of time. And if this Auburn passing game, if, if Finley's off just a little bit, I, I think Dyer would be a guy. Joey Porter would be a guy. Kalen King's played very well. You know, another player that's played really well, uh, Keaton Ellis. He has played very, very well. All their safeties have played good. But, you know, he kind of gets lost in the shuffle because everyone wants, wants to talk about Jalen Reed. You know, it's a key Wheatley and Jair Brown is, is you know, a premium player. But I think Ellis has been very, very good. So I think you're right. I think with all these pass breakups and this aggressive pass coverage, they're probably going to get flagged a couple of times. But I do think they're going to get their hands on one or two passes against Auburn. Another thing, too, Penn State only has eight tackles for loss so far this season. That's not enough. Uh, I mean, that's second fewest in the Big Ten. And so if you're able to, you know, bring down – you know, Bigsby, uh, you know, or, you know, even Finley, if he gets outside the pocket and tries to run, if you bring him down for a four, you know, three, four, five yard loss. I mean, you're, if you're putting an Auburn offense like that behind the sticks like that, I think that's, you know, puts them in a really tough spot. They're not an offense that can, you know, just chuck it downfield and move the chains like that. They really need to get forward progress almost every play. 
Johnny, I'm with you. Congratulations to your Philadelphia Eagles. You cannot congratulate me on my Dallas Cowboys because that was brutal. Uh, But you know what? We got a great Penn State-Auburn game to go see this Saturday, 3.30, Jordan-Hare Stadium. I know we're both looking forward to it. David Jones, Joe Hermit are also expected to be along for that ride. Don't forget, uh, I'll be uh, I'll be with Dave for a podcast later in the week on the Blue White Breakdown, and Johnny and Dustin Hockensmith are going to have some thoughts later in the week as well. Uh, Johnny, this is one of the one of the games uh, of all the games Penn State's played in recent years on the road because it's an exciting venue and because I've never been to Jordan here. I, I I could not be more excited about making this trip. I know you feel the same way. Absolutely, yeah. I got to go to an SEC stadium last year with. Uh, Pitt playing at Tennessee. Now I get to go to Auburn and, you know, let's just keep this train rolling, right? Just, uh, I, I, you know, I'm very much looking forward to the atmosphere, the environment, looking forward to being down there with you guys. All right. All right, Penn State fans. Johnny and I will be back next Tuesday, but in between, we're going to have a lot of great coverage on Penn State at Auburn as Penn State looks to move to three and zero. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn Live.